Welcome to the Church of the Living God, Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Last week we began talking about Thanksgiving, not the holiday, but the biblical act of Thanksgiving. And we spent some time in the Old Testament last week in Leviticus uh, talking about the peace offering uh, that, that God prescribed and how that he did that. Um, his prescription for the peace offering involved what was called Thanksgiving. And oddly enough, that term does not appear in the Scripture before Leviticus. And the, the term thanks by itself, at least in the English interpretation, does not appear until Second Samuel. And so that's well into the Old Testament. And so um, in this prescription of peace offering that God gave in Leviticus, he talked about this, this uh, offering of thanks, not just grateful language, but sacrifice and offering. That the people would come to the temple or the tabernacle, the house of God, and they would be seeking peace or giving thanks for peace. And they would come to God and they would, they would bring an animal, depending on what their situation was. They would bring a certain animal. They would offer that to God. And in one motion, they would give thanks. It was an offering. It wasn't just a, oh, thank you. Or, God, thanks for doing that. I appreciate it. No, it was, it was a, an intentional exercise. It was something they prepared for, something they honestly invested in. It cost them money for the animals. It cost them livelihood. If they raised the animal themselves, it was representative of time and all these things. And so they brought all of this to God, and they offered it in thanks. Instead of just saying, thanks, God, they offered something. They brought something, a sacrifice. They brought grateful language. They brought offering. When formal sacrifices were not required in the Old Testament, uh, the equivalent was praise and worship. So all through Psalms. Uh, in particular, you talk, you see things about giving their thanksgiving to God in praise and worship. And so this telling of God's wondrous works and magnifying Him. I will offer thanksgiving. I will tell of all thy wondrous works, he says in one of the Psalms. I will magnify Him with thanksgiving. So thanksgiving is this, it's this giving of something from us to Him in gratitude. Okay, In the New Testament... The grateful language and the worship, the act of worship, continues to define thanksgiving. But the seemingly missing sacrifice that was in the Old Testament, the animal, that sacrifice is no longer an animal, but it's us. We bring ourselves as a sacrifice. Romans 12, remember, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And so we are that sacrifice that we bring to God. And in thanksgiving, now, under the blood of Christ, we don't have to offer an animal. We offer us. We come to him and we say, God, with, with everything, we offer you thanksgiving. In expectation of something. In uh, gratitude for something. Maybe he's already done it. But in thanksgiving, God, take all of me. Right? Or maybe he's going to do it. You're waiting for it. You're expecting it. God, I believe you have the answer to our prayers, so take all of me. So we offer ourselves as the sacrifice. Continuing in, in the New Testament, what, what we want to talk about tonight is what partners with thanksgiving. 
what goes with it? We, we see from the Old Testament that it's a powerful thing. It's an intentional thing. But in the New Testament, is it enough just to offer thanksgiving for every situation? I, I don't believe that's the case. I know there's probably been many times in your journey where you, co- you go to God with a need and you offer him praise and, and, and worship, but nothing changes. Has anyone had that experience? Where we go to God sometimes and we praise him when we don't feel like it. And, and we, we try to press through, but nothing really changes. Well, there's things that partner with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving by itself is a good thing. But you've got to partner it with certain things to get results. So we're going to go to Philippians chapter 4 tonight. And uh, in Philippians chapter 4, we're just going to read a couple verses. We're going to really dig in on these two verses in particular. And uh, that's going to be really the bulk of what we talk about tonight. Philippians 4, verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So what partners with thanksgiving? Verse 6 is pretty, pretty explicit, I think. It starts off by saying be careful for nothing or don't be full of cares for anything is what he's saying. Don't let, don't let care overwhelm you. But in everything by prayer and supplication... Prayer, literally in the Greek, means addressed to God. How many times have we been in situations of need where we need an answer, but we don't talk to God so much about it? Have you done that before? I've done that before. Where I find myself talking to others more than talking to God. Trying to rationalize to myself or convince myself of what maybe should happen. What maybe ought to happen. But instead... I'm spending way too much time talking to everyone but God. Sometimes the the biggest thing about prayer is just getting it to God. Getting it to God. There's even times where I've prayed and I've thought, you know, I wasn't even really talking to God. I was talking to me. Have you done that before? I'm just, again, I'm trying to convince myself of what's going on. Or assuage my conscience or, or whatever it is I'm trying to do. So by prayer, in everything by prayer, prayer taking it to God. Taking it to God. That can be on your knees with your hands up, however you want to do it. That can be driving down the road. It can be as long as it's a serious moment with you and God. It's an encounter, an interaction with God. Taking it to God. In, in, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So we address the need to God, but then the need is important. That's what the supplication is. Supplication is not a word we use often, but it means petition. Petition. Now, when we think of a petition in modern terms, we think of a list of people signing their names, petitioning. But really what a petition is, it's a legal term for an appeal, an appeal. What is an appeal? An appeal is when something has happened and you don't agree with it. So you make an appeal to someone in authority. Prayer addressed to God and supplication. Prayer And an appeal. What are you doing? You're appealing to God. Because God is the one in authority. God is the one who doesn't, it's not just that he has the answer. He has the authority to make it happen. 
There's all kinds of people that could meet your needs. But unless someone in authority makes them, they can't or they won't. Okay? Bill Gates is all the money I'll ever need. But it would take someone in authority telling him to give me that, right, to meet that need. And that's a silly example. But you see what I'm saying? There's, there's stuff out there. But we need someone with authority to direct it. There's answers out there, but we need someone with, a, with authority to answer our appeal. God, this happened, and I don't agree with it. Based on what? Based on your word. What does his word say? What, not just what the circumstance says. It's easier to focus on what the need is. But we're making an appeal. We're not just making an observation. Lots of people pray observations. They don't pray appeals. Right? We pray what's happening. God, I lost my job. God, we're out of money. God, I'm sick. But we don't follow that with the appeal. God, I'm sick, but you can heal me. God, I'm broke, but you have everything that I need. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are our provider. So we have to follow that with an appeal. Prayer addressed to God and petition, supplication, or appeal. When we partner those two things with thanksgiving, we get results. Because that's what it says. But in everything by prayer and, and supplication, with thanksgiving. Interestingly enough, in the Greek, the word with can not only mean accompanying, but actually primarily, the primary definition for with is after. Okay? The primary definition for with is after. So by prayer and supplication, after Thanksgiving. After Thanksgiving. So what was Thanksgiving according to the New Testament? Well, it was, if I can find my definition, and I can't, awesome. Thanksgiving was grateful language, there it is, grateful language to God as an act of worship. Grateful language to God as an act of worship. That's the Greek definition for Thanksgiving. By prayer and supplication, after worship. After worship. What is, the, what is the recipe? How do I get results when I go to God? I think the biggest problem is that we don't partner worship and prayer. We don't partner those together. What most folks do, and I'm saying this from experience as well, what most of us do is we get in a situation or a circumstance and we get overwhelmed, and then we go to God in our overwhelmed stat, uh, status. We go to God in frustration, fear, doubt, whatever's overwhelming us. We go to God in that, and then we start listing off our needs. Is that fair? Isn't that what we most, that's our reaction. Oh, this thing happened with our kids. God, this thing happened with my kids. What do I do? What do we do? We don't lead off with thanksgiving. It's hard to lead off with thanksgiving in the middle of circumstance. It's hard to lead off with worship when all of your senses are going crazy with what's happened. When your emotions are high, it's hard to lower yourself before God in worship. So what we do is we go to God with the need, we don't appeal the situation, and we completely forego Thanksgiving. 
and then we're surprised that we don't see results. Has anybody ever been surprised? God, I've been praying for this for six months. Six months, why haven't you answered? Why haven't we approached him the way that he prescribed? Philippians 4, 6 says, In everything by prayer and supplication after thanksgiving, after worship. If we began our prayer time with worship, see, worship changes things. Because worship is a humbling of yourself and an exaltation of God. As pastor says, it's our job to exalt God and humble ourselves. Okay? If we don't humble ourselves, God will humble us. Okay? He'll do that. Because when we're humble, we put him in his right spot. We put him in the right place. So if we are humbled and we're exalting God, we're lifting him up in worship, it changes our atmosphere. It changes our Forget what, our stance in the whole thing. Because what most people do is we go to God and we say, God, we need this and we need that. We, we, I need. This is happening to me. This is happening to my family, to my kids. This is what's going on. And, and that's human. That's what we do. But God says, if you will stop and offer thanksgiving first, if you'll come to God humbled, lifting him up, it positions you, that's the word I was looking for, it's, it positions you in the right place for him to move. Okay? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So we begin with worship in our private time, in our prayer time, instead of beginning with the need, instead of beginning with the circumstance. We come in and we say, God, you're good, even though it's not good right now. We come in and we say, God, we know you're a healer, even though he's not healed anything yet. We come in and we say, God, you're a provider, even though you're broke. He hasn't provided yet. We come in and we start talking about who he is and who we're not. We don't talk about us. It's all about him. That's what worship is. It's all about him. All about him. You can throw in things that he's done. God, I know you can heal people because I've seen you do it. I've seen you heal people of cancer. I've seen you heal people from all kinds of things. I've seen, I've seen you set people free. I know you can set my kids free. Right? We come in and we worship. We talk about who God is because we're humbling ourselves. We're exalting him. And then after that, after that moment of worship, those few moments of worship, sometimes those half hour or hours of worship, we're in a different spot than we were when we came. Amen? Because in the moment, we're emotional. In the moment, we're hurt. We're offended. We're downcast. We're all these things. We're wounded. But if I come in and I start with thanksgiving, I'm humbling myself and exalting him. Then when I'm done doing that, I'm in a different place. My head's not where it was. My emotions aren't where they were. My, my emotions, when I truly worship God, my whole emotions shift. I don't know if you've had that experience or not. Yeah, it just, it changes, it kind of flips it all for you. Whatever you've come in with, when you fully connect with the presence of God and you begin worshiping and talking about God's, good, God's goodness and His greatness and His kindness and all these things that He is regardless of circumstance, you start talking about all that stuff, it really it just lifts it all. It lifts it all for you because it gets your eyes off the wrong stuff. Because in the moment, our eyes are on circumstance and feelings. I hate that. I hate feelings. As a man, let's just suppress it all. Let's push, 
Hate is a, that's true. That's our, yeah, that is true. Yeah, our feelings betray us, as Yoda says, right? I hate feelings, but we feel so much of this life. But if we will choose to override our feelings and humble our feelings, humble ourselves, go to God in worship, exalt Him, and then when we're in the right frame of mind, then we ask right. Jesus said sometimes we don't get the right answer because we ask amiss. We ask for the wrong stuff when we're in our feelings. We ask for the wrong things when someone's hurt us or someone's left us. We ask for the wrong things, but we come in worship and it adjusts and corrects us. And it enables us to ask according to His will because now we're in His presence. When we're in His presence, our perspective changes. We can ask correctly. Now I can address it to Him and I can supplicate, I can petition, I can appeal because now I'm not just thinking about me, I'm thinking about Him. Okay? Now I'm coming to God and I'm saying, God, this is what's going on, but your word says that you can do X, Y, and Z. This is what's going on, but I've seen you do this because you are true and everyone else is a liar. That's what the word says. I've seen you heal because 1 Peter 2.24 says that by your stripes we were healed. God, it's already paid for. It's been paid for for 2,000 years. And my mind gets on him and his word and what he's done and who he is. And then we get results. Then we get results. Back to verse 6. He says, by prayer and supplication after thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Hebrews 13.15 connects praise and thanksgiving further. It says, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So remember, verse 6 tells us prayer and supplication after thanksgiving. What is thanksgiving? It is grateful language as an act of worship. Hebrews 13, 15 shows us that it is the fruit of our lips continually giving thanks to his name. That's what thanksgiving is. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Now let's go to Philippians 4, 7. It says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So verse 6 shows us that thanksgiving or praise, I'm going to give you some alliteration here, uh, four P's, P's, okay? Praise plus prayer plus petition, okay, that's all from verse 6. Praise, which is thanksgiving, prayer, and petition, supplication. You add those three things together, in that order, equals peace. Okay? Anybody bad at math? I'm not great at math. I'm good at, don't throw letters in math. Letters don't belong in math. I'm good till you put letters in math. This I can understand, okay? This is one plus one plus one, in my opinion, okay? That's all this is. Praise, thanksgiving, plus prayer, plus petition, equals peace. If you don't have peace, you're missing one of those three, okay? You might be missing the petition, the appeal. You might be missing the prayer. You might be talking to everybody but God. That happens sometimes. 
I think most people are missing the praise. I think most of us don't start with praise. Most of us start with petition. We leave out the others. We petition, we petition. God, God, this is what's happening, this is what's happening. And God's good, isn't he good? Because sometimes he does answer those things, doesn't he? You know, out of his grace, like what, like Pastor says with Joshua in, in the book of Joshua, he asked for the, the sun to stand still. Well, Joshua's science was all out of whack. He didn't understand how that worked. But God knew what he meant, and God moved for him. And you know, sometimes God is good like that. He moves for us, despite ourselves. But I think there's a lot of things and a lot of ways, a lot of, of, of situations where we don't get an answer because we're not doing it right. We're foregoing praise. We're not addressing it to God. We're addressing it to everyone else. And we're only speaking the problem, not the appeal. And then we're surprised we don't have peace. I'm talking to everybody but God. I don't worship Him. When I'm here, I don't feel like worshiping Him because I'm talking to everybody else and hearing all their stuff. And then all I'm doing is speaking need and no word, no appeal. But praise plus prayer plus petition equals peace. Peace in the Greek. It's the Greek word irene, and it means to join. It means by implication prosperity. It means rest, and it means set at one again. To join, prosperity, rest, set at one again. The peace of God. In that one word, you have the answer to all your situations. Think about it. In the peace of God, we have a knowledge that we're not alone. He's joined us to join. Peace, irene, to to join. In the peace of God, we know that we can prosper in the midst of adversity. That's prosperity. That's prosperity. People think prosperity is being rich. Depends on what your definition of rich is. Does rich mean you've got a Lamborghini in the garage? In that case, we're not rich. But if I have peace, oh, man, there's lots of rich people who don't have peace. Lots of poor people don't have peace. It's not about socioeconomic status. It's about your position with God. Right? It's about whether or not you've praised, prayed, and petitioned. If you do those things, you're going to get the peace of God. In the peace of God, I know I'm not alone. In the peace of God, I know that I can prosper. Prosper means to flourish or to thrive. You could say it means to move forward. Whoa, moving forward when you're in adversity? Isn't the definition of adversity something that's pushing against you? You can move ahead even while everything is pushing against you because of the peace of God. Moving ahead, progressing, prospering, that's the peace of God. In the peace of God, there is rest. Rest. Have you ever known someone who was in a situation, but man, they were at peace. They they were resting, they were sleeping good, and you're just like, how are you doing that? If that were me, I'd be a wreck. So many times it's amazing to see people respond to the different things that life throws at them. But man, God just brings out that gold in those people. Just brings that out. And that rest is sometimes just a sign of God being in the middle of it all. Because you can rest. Most folks can't rest in the midst of adversity. And then the last definition for peace was to set at one again. So knowing I'm not alone, prospering in the midst of adversity, resting in the middle of circumstance, 
and being put back together. Praise plus prayer plus petition equals all that. The peace of God. Oh, my goodness. I need the peace of God. You need the peace of God. Your answers are in the peace of God. Okay, when you're in that peace, it may not turn out exactly how you thought it should, but it's going to turn out the way it needs to. Amen? Verse 7 says that this peace passes all understanding. Passes means to hold above or to be superior. So the peace of God is all these things, knowing you're not alone, prospering, resting, being put back together, all this. But really what the peace of God is, is the peace of God is higher than your understanding. It's higher than your understanding. That's important because we limit so much of what God can do by our understanding. We think God can only move this way because that's the only way we can think. But God doesn't think like we think, right? He said, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways and my thoughts higher than yours. That's, that's a whole different vantage point. And from God's vantage point, He is superior. He is superior. The peace of God is superior. It is above everything. The peace of God being above everything shall keep your hearts and minds. Keep, in the Greek, means to mount guard as a sentinel. So once I'm in the peace, this is important. Once I'm in the peace of God, the peace of God looks out for me. Once I get to the peace of God, it starts guarding me. It starts standing watch for me. In other words, the peace of God knows what's coming, and the peace of God is prepared to help you have peace through what's coming. The peace of God. Praise, prayer, and petition gets you in the peace of God. But once you're there, the peace of God starts looking out for you. Okay? It shall keep. Your hearts and mind. Hearts, in the Greek, the Greek word cardia means thoughts, your feelings, your soul. Your hearts, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. And then if it means that, it's odd that he follows that up with minds. Isn't it? It's almost, it almost seems redundant. Why would he say your, minds and your, your mind and your mind, your soul and your soul? Why would he say that? That's because mind doesn't mean soul in this one. Mind in the Greek, there's actually two words there. And they mean your perception and your purpose. Perception and purpose. The Greek word naima means purpose. The peace of God which passes, which is superior to all understanding, shall stand guard like a sentinel over your heart, your soul, and your purpose through Christ Jesus. Make no mistake. The enemy is out to destroy your purpose. The enemy is out to negate your purpose, to keep you from fulfilling and becoming what God has purposed for you to be. And in doing that, he dismantles the word of God. He makes God a liar. I mean, how many times do we see a, a great man of God fall and we think, oh, well, there's another one. Great. Makes us all look bad. There's been a couple in the last week, week or two that's fallen kind of from the younger generation of preachers in the country. And they've made some mistakes and all that stuff, and it's terrible. I feel, I feel for them. I hate it. I hate it. But the fact remains, the peace of God can keep us from all that. 
if I keep praising, praying, and petitioning, I can stay in the peace of God. The peace of God will take care of my purpose. The peace of God will keep me. It will enable me to progress and to flourish even in the midst of adversity in my purpose. Okay? Purpose is the goal. That's what the enemy wants to destroy in you, in us. But the peace of God is the answer. We need the peace of God. We need to know that we're not alone. We need to know that we can prosper, that we can rest, that we can be put back together. We need to know that, but we have to include thanksgiving in the process. The point is to include thanksgiving with our prayer. The point is to start our prayer time with worship and gratitude, regardless of the current situation. I can tell you from experience, the landmark moments in my life where I got an answer, sometimes within the hour, the hour, I remember there was one time I was praying for something for Keely. It, w- it wasn't spiritual at all. We were trying to get her into a school under a scholarship thing because we couldn't afford it. And the deadline was that day, and we had not heard yet if it was going to happen. And I remember I went down into the basement, into the room where I pray sometimes, and I turned on some worship music, and I spent 15, 20 minutes just kind of worshiping, just kind of feeling it, getting into it. Then I prayed, and I asked God to move. Within the hour I got the call, the answer came because I got, I got myself in the right place because I followed what the Word said. I got myself out of the circumstance and into God's presence, and then I was able to ask correctly so that God could move for me, and He did. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, kept my heart and my mind, and I still go back to that sometimes. Because sometimes I need to be reminded what it takes to get those answers. So I want to challenge you tonight. It's difficult in times of circumstance to be willing to forego your feelings. To be willing to humble yourself and exalt someone else. Because when we're hurting, we want to go in. We want to make it about us. Okay? But instead, if we praise first, we offer that thanksgiving first, and we let that change us, change our position, then when we pray, we, we pray in a way that God can move. And then the peace of God comes. We know he starts moving. We know things, answers can come. All these things start happening. So I hope that makes sense to you. I hope it makes sense. Ephesians 4, 6, praise, prayer, petition. Ephesians 4, or I'm sorry, Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 7. The peace of God, which passes understanding, will come. So remember those. We've got to include thanksgiving in our prayer. As individuals, as a church. If you notice, some of our best services, when people start receiving more from God, it's usually like the second song in. Sometimes the third song in on a Sunday because people start worshiping. People start Offering thanksgiving, they start getting in the presence of God. Their faith gets elevated, their perspective gets changed. Then they come up front and they ask and they receive. Right? It works. We see it every week. Why don't we do it at home? Can we do it at home? We can. It's hard sometimes. When the kids are running around or you're tired, you've had a lousy day at work. I get it. It's tough. Wednesdays are tough. I get it. Every day is tough, though. Amen? Praise, pray, petition.
equals the peace of God. Stand up tonight. Do what? Prayer is the addressing to God, taking it to God specifically. Uh, petition is the appeal to God, the appeal to the authority, so to speak. So you're appealing to that authority with his own word. Yes. Because where the word of a king is, there's power. Amen. That's what the Bible says. All right, let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's Church of the Living God, Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you were blessed by today's word. If you'd like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.